surrounded. He woke. It's the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Cowell. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data languages. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And good uh, Thursday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the sports animal on the road again today down at Poppy's Pit and Grill. Where is Poppy's, you ask? Well, it's at the intersection of Highway 152 and Highway 6, just a little bit south of Elk City. And I was just uh, perusing the menu again today, and I uh, we're going to get our chance today, Jared. We're gonna What's get that? Our, we're going to get our chance. We're going to get to see Dylan's Kitchen Sink in action. We're going to see it. One of the guys in front of us, The I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call them regulars, considering they've been there every single time we've been here so far at Poppy's. We're going to see it right well, there in well, the clearly middle. Clearly because they heard we're going to be here. That's yes. Now they're regulars like we're regulars. And, and here's what yes. happened as soon as, as soon as it came out of his mouth. Yeah. Dylan. Everybody goes, whoa, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> So we're gonna get uh, a, we're good. gonna get a shot to see that uh, biscuits and gravy topped with eggs and hash browns. I can't wait. Uh, Poppy's open six to two Monday through Wednesday. Then starting today, uh, you can get dinner here as well: breakfast, lunch, and dinner, six a.m. to eight p.m. Thursday through Saturday, and then for Sunday, open for lunch eleven to two, right here at Poppy's Pit and Grill down south of Elk City at the intersection of Highway 152 and Highway 6. So we're glad uh, for everybody to be along. Huge day uh, today in Class 4A's District 1. We'll talk about those games, uh, tonight, the game tonight with Elk City and Weatherford at the top of the show. Uh, some keys to the game. Um, Weatherford's turnaround has been pretty uh, noticeable uh, from where, where they started, especially coming off a down year last year to where they are right now, right in the, right in the thick of the mix of a uh, Class 4A District 1 title race. Uh, talk about what this win would mean uh, for both sides, uh, specifically the Elks, if they're able to come away with it with what's remaining on the schedule. It's easy to kind of look ahead and think, oh, uh, a lot of good things are coming. Rest of 4A1, uh, where is uh, where's everybody else at this week? Who's playing? And, and that kind of thing. Uh, college football, uh, you kind of you got there a little bit yesterday uh, talking about the remaining unbeatens. So I wanted us to go, there's nine remaining unbeatens. Uh, let's rank them in order of how we uh, the best chance to end up unbeaten not necessarily who thinks the best team necessarily like you know just ranking them i'm talking about just like okay who do you think has the best chance with the remaining schedule where games are and that kind of thing um who has the best chance of those nine in order to to uh, end up the season unbeaten also good games this week again that we can discuss nfl is that gonna play uh jets giants or both in the playoffs? Do you do you buy what's happening in New Jersey so far this season? I want you to give me a team, and you guys out there can definitely do this as well on the text line that I'll tell you about here in just a second. But give me a team that struggled early, and to the point of they've got a losing record, so it'd be probably two and four at this point. And you know what? I might even let you extend it to even up three and three. Oh well, that it, changes my answer. Okay. So then it doesn't. You have to give me a, give me a losing team <laughs> okay. that you think can right the ship and make the playoffs 
in the NFL. Might hit a little NBA at least uh, tell you what happened with the Thunder last night. Also, Major League Baseball playoffs are into the league championship series round. Uh, and, man, a big comeback last night or yesterday afternoon, I guess, from the Padres as they were just about to be in a humongous hole after uh, the second inning with the Phillies yesterday. So that's what we got on our minds. Feel free to chime in. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225-9698. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. If there's something else that's on your mind, feel free to chime in. 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, there are a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. You can log on to kadsam.com or you can download the app. The app's got it all. Uh, it's got three radio stations. It's got the Penny News. A brand new edition of the Penny News is out on newsstands as we speak. I'm looking over there toward the door, and I do think I see kind of a little pink stripe that's right at the fold, yeah. which signifies that it's this week's Penny News. So go pick up a free copy of the Penny News uh, at your uh, favorite place. Also, Big Elk TV and Paragon TV are involved into the app, so you can watch those live video streams of high school sports, specifically tonight, the Elks and Woodward. And then tomorrow, you've got Merritt and uh, who was it? I just clicked off. Dadgummit. Thomas. Yeah, Merritt and Thomas. Tomorrow, it, not tonight. It's tomorrow. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. As is Hollis and Balco tomorrow. Hollis goes to Balco Forgan tomorrow before finishing the season with a couple of home games in the final two weeks against tough opponents in Shattuck and Turpin. So uh, the, the smaller schools tomorrow, uh, Elk City tonight on BigElkTV.com through that Paragon Communications app. And then, of course, uh, if you miss our show entirely, you can go back and check us out uh, online, KADSAM.com or on iTunes if you want to go that route. And if you do go the iTunes route, you might as well uh, hit the subscribe button because then we will alert you when a new podcast drops. Good morning, Jared. How are you? I'm doing well on the text line. Yeah, I guess you, are, are we are we starting to be considered regulars is the is the uh, question here at Poppies. I would say so. We're here every Thursday. And we've been here throughout the month of October yeah. on a Thursday. And I'm telling you, I can't wait to see this. Dylan's Kitchen Sink. Just the reaction of the guys around him when he ordered it. Yeah. Feels like maybe that's what, uh, what's a, what a guy like me ought to order. Uh, when he's out here at Poppy's. Um, it feels like they should have rang, rung a bell, and it's when you know someone ordered Dylan's Kitchen Sink. Ding, have, ding, 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 ding. Have you ever been to, um, oh, it's an onion burger place in Oklahoma City? Has it been on uh, Triple D? It is not. It's okay, not, it's not, not the one Nick's. I'm thinking of. No, not it's Nick's. not Nick's. Okay. Um, it rhymes with Rucker. Oh, sure, yes. Have you ever been there? Uh, no, but so I know they, what you're talking so about. So they have like the triple meated... And when somebody orders that one, they go, shut your mouth <laughs> because of what it's called. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. So the, speaking of the pity news, bam, there, there it, it is. is. There it is. Lauren's dropping it off as we speak. All right. Thought I saw it out there. So pity news is here at Poppy's. You want to come check out the deals in this week's pity news. Um, Jared, big night tonight uh, over in Weatherford where we will be with the Elk City Elks and the Weatherford Eagles. It, it's it's kind of hard to call this a district title game for both sides, just because you don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. I'm, well, and right, it, I'm, but not necessarily that. Looking just, at the road ahead, Weatherford could win and still not win the district because of the loss of Chickasha, creating a three-team. You know what I'm saying? A uh-huh. three-team tie, and then the points start working out that way. It's hard to see a path for the Elks not to win the district if they win this game tonight. 
just because of who they've got left. And then also having tiebreakers over everybody. Uh-huh. And they're already out ahead of, uh, of the rest of the district in the, in the point standings with a game in hand against a team that uh, either John Marshall and Woodward, that the only win either one of those has within the district is against each other. Uh, so, you know, it's just, for me, it's, it's a pseudo-district title game in that if the Elks win, then it's hard to see a path for them not to be the district champion. If Weatherford's able to get this win, then we start looking uh, down Highway 81 tomorrow night and seeing what Chickasha's doing against Clinton because as long as Chickasha can end up with one loss, Weatherford's got a loss, and then the Elks would have that loss. All of a sudden, you got a, t- a three-team tie. They've all beaten each other. Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at scores and figuring out district points and all of that. But um, it's going to be a huge one over there in Weatherford this evening. I mean – just going back to the coach speak, what we've heard Maynard talk about ever since the Clinton game is this is the most important game, not the next game, not what's happening in Chickasha, not what's happening elsewhere in the district. This game tonight should be the only thing those guys are focused on and ready for, not not Woodward next week, not John Marshall at the end of the season. So, um, so I mean, we could sit here and do the math and the probabilities and the scenarios and all that stuff, and, you know, that's what we do. But I'm sure those kids in the locker room and, and on the bus on the way to Weatherford, the only thing they're thinking about is how to beat Weatherford. This is the biggest game tonight, no matter what the situation is. So, And knowing Coach Maynard, that's how he's got him thinking, right? Even if it wasn't for a district title, even if things didn't go our way this year, he's still going to go down there and go, okay, this is the next big one right here. We go beat Weatherford. We go beat our rival. We've taken care of one rival. Let's move on to this one. Then we'll move on to the next one next week. But this is the big game. So I, I, I have no doubt that all that you said is going to play a factor into tonight's game because they're not thinking about that. They're yeah. thinking about tonight. And, and I, again, I have no doubt because of the coaching staff and how he's got these kids focused. And, and the truth of it is the easiest way to not have to worry about district points is win to nine. Yeah. Because at that point, it, it doesn't make any difference. You've got – you basically have a two-game lead, depending on what happens in Chickasha. You've got a two-game lead uh, in the in the district race. So what that means is you would, you would have to lose both games coming up after this week because everybody behind you, you have the tiebreaker over, right? And so – and there wouldn't be a way to make a three-way tie – with almost any of these teams because you've beaten them all. Right. So the, tonight is, uh, for the Elks anyway, I mean, t- tonight is a chance to, to, not, to not win the district title because you're right. There's still two games left. You have to take care of one of those. But at the same time, it, it, it's a huge step forward uh, if the Elks are able to get it. Let's go on the Weatherford side. Are you surprised? You know, it was a rough season last year. You could see it when, when, when you saw the, um, just the roster of the Weatherford players a year ago, so much youth, so, you know, really, really young team that they had last year. That remains to be the case this year as well. There's just a sprinkling of, of seniors and juniors around that sophomore class. But are you surprised at how quickly those guys have kind of come together and really improved throughout this season to put Weatherford in this in this position that they are to, to win a district title? If it was anybody else other than Coach Roof and Weatherford, I'd say yes. But because it's still Weatherford, there's a, there's that winning tradition's always been there. Coach Roof is a really good coach, and we knew that even last year what they were going through because of everything you said about the roster. We saw what 
was going to happen, you know, what was going to come for them, and we're seeing it now. So, no, I'm not too surprised with, with this turnaround, and, and I think it stays. Um, I think they uh, uh, stay the course as far as uh, getting back to their winning ways because of a really good sophomore class, which you have pointed out, and, and um, which also just lays the base moving forward. So, no, to answer your question, I'm not surprised they've turned it around. Absolutely not. I knew last year was just a bump in the road, a hiccup, if you will, and they were quick to turn it around, and, and it doesn't surprise me because it's the Weatherford Eagles. It is what it is. They they always find ways to win. Yeah, with the, with the youth that they have, depending on what happens throughout the rest of the season, you know how how the district finishes, then how maybe a playoff run would go for them. But you you can see to me with what they'll have coming back, they're going to be a popular pick to be the four A one champ next year. I think. Yeah. And then also probably at least a top 10 preseason team in 4A, if not even a little higher, especially if they can win a couple playoff games and everybody start to familiarize themselves with what Weatherford's got. Right. And that is that strong, strong class of sophomores that will just be a year older, a year stronger, a year faster. Uh, so you, you could definitely kind of see this last year when, when you know the game was a blowout, 66-18, to 18, first time Elk City had won. Uh, beaten Weatherford since 2011, a whole decade worth of losses. But you also could see this coming. I'm, I'm just a tick surprised it happened this fast to be to this level. Not, not necessarily to be a playoff team, but to be challenging for a district title. Uh, I thought that was probably next year before that happened. Instead, sure. it's, it's right here. It's, it's among us, and it's going to happen tonight yeah. with them having a the chance to really uh, be, be a complete shocker of a district title winner in, in, with what everybody thought in the preseason. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's why you play the game because you never know. I mean, Clinton Weatherford, you thought, well, Clinton's going to bounce back and, and take care of Weatherford, and then Weatherford goes in there and beats him by 20. Um, you got to play the game. You just don't know about the personnel, who's playing, who's not playing. Um, there's always that factor and that factors into it uh, where it's played, conditions are played in. You can't just. It's easy for us to sit down and go, okay, that team one, this team two, this right. team three. But then once we start playing the game, we're like, okay, now we can kind of see how this is going to shake out. So, you know, there's always a district contender, and obviously Elk City has risen to that level right now as this season's gone on. But there's always that 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 one that's that could be the district title winner, and that's Weatherford this year. That's what makes this game so big tonight because it's going to go a long ways in determining the district champion for either one of these schools. Keys to the game tonight, at least for me, from the, the very, very limited study that I've seen, uh, just maybe 15 minutes or so of actually watching uh, Weatherford. I've, I've, honestly, I've seen more of Weatherford the weeks before, you know, preparing for another, you know, whoever else watching the Elks were playing exactly yeah. than, I, than I even got close to this week. Um, but you could see the talent on the edge. Uh, C.J. Nixon will jump off the screen at you, or if you're live, you'll see him. Six foot five, I think he's listed at 215. Looks closer to 230 in pads. You know what I mean? Just a big load of a guy. And, and, and listen, he can move out in the open field. So he'll be one of the receivers. Uh, Stone Chisholm is a guy that he'll play a little quarterback. He'll play a little bit of kind of H-back, hiding him behind a tackle and popping him right down the middle that scares you. Uh, if Weatherford can get the running game going, um, you know, kind of get the – we get the linebackers up, pop it right in between the safeties and the linebackers, and then have him make one move, and then there's nobody left in the middle of the field. So that, that's a guy that you notice. Um, I know I've heard the name. I've heard Nick Jett, Blackman at the running back, and then obviously uh, the lines, the quarterback, coming back as a senior quarterback here. So uh, the skill guys of Weatherford 
are, are noticeable and jump off the screen at you with the talent that they have. The question here and the key to the game for me on the Big Elk side is, can you control that line of scrimmage in the ways that you did it last week against Chickasha? Yeah, all that doesn't matter if the quarterback doesn't have time. That's right. Uh, or if the running back doesn't have time to find those gaps or that space. That's key for me too. Um, is And it's been a key that has emerged for us as the season's progressed is how does Elk City handle the guys up front, how, how they handle the interior uh, or, uh, or on the line that is. On both sides of the ball, too, because offensively, let's see how much of a push Elk City can get. And We've seen that time and time where the opponent is just worn out. We saw the quickest I've seen it was last week in the first quarter. My goodness, they were had their hands on their hips by the late of the first quarter. Chickasha did. So that's what I'm going to key in on, on first. It's flashy and, and fun to watch the skill guys, sure. But I want to see. I'm going to watch that offensive line versus uh, the defensive line on both sides. And see how Elk City, uh, if they can get a push, and then get a push early, and they get the lines maybe just to think twice or pump fake or scramble just a little bit, even if he completes the pass, that's very telling for me later in the game is, okay, conditioning-wise, how our offensive line goes up against their defensive line, that's going to tell me really early how this game could go. Yeah, and I think you're going to see the edges attacked a la kind of a little bit of what Cash did uh, with those jet sweep motions. Weatherford likes to do some of that. Um, and trying to attack the edges, it's the edges and the back end tonight, uh, and even some linebackers and coverage in, in some plays, especially that pop pass uh, to, to Chisholm. It's going to be the biggest challenge, I think, for those, those edge players and the linebackers and safeties, just to, to be on the same page, get everybody get lined up, and be able to to kind of counteract what Weatherford's doing. There's not a lot of up the middle type of stuff every now and then, but a lot of times it's just it's edges and attacking edges and attacking out uh, in open space with the skills guys that they have. And you're right. And on the other side, it's always up to the other team to stop 26 and will be white tonight. But in, in sure we've seen teams even do it early on, but as the night wears on yeah. those big guys up front, uh, moving the line of scrimmage. And then all of a sudden, instead of, you know, linebackers and, and defensive linemen tackling Levy Owens, you start to see safeties and corners having to do it. And that's a tough ask for, for guys that, that are just that much smaller than him. And when he starts hitting some guys over, over and over, we saw it in the Canadian game, saw it in the Altus game, where the same safety was having to come up and continually tackle that guy. Once he gets five or six yards down the field, that becomes immensely more, more challenging in the third and fourth quarter especially for guys that are having to play on both sides of the ball where Levy's not. So yeah. that's, you know, that's one of those things that's always going to be in the back of the mind, stopping Levy. We've seen if he can get five, six, seven early on, then all of a sudden those fast guys going around the corner, a la Tucker Garza last night, and then you really see the full capability of what the Big Elks are on offense uh, when Levy's established. I think we'll see a heavy dose of Tucker Garza again, do you think the, or do you think the more of a decoy? Because, I mean, he was really used a lot in, in an, you know a forced situation because of the injury to Garbo. Now, I wonder if that played into a to a, a reason why Elk City won so handily over Chickasha because they weren't ready for him. But he wasn't doing anything much different than what yeah, Cooper I mean, does. But I just wonder, you know, does Maynard go to the well a little bit more? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see kind of the split. The carries were fairly similar uh, with on those jet sweeps or the trap play uh, with with Patton and with Garza. But I also, you know, Tucker got a few more carries, and it's probably to get him a little bit more experience in that setting in a big game setting. Uh, that can only uh, help tonight uh, with with him over there at at Weatherford. Another, you know, everyone's going to be wearing green, and 
I better see those green gloves. I better see those green gloves. The other thing I'll say about uh, the Big Elk defense and its limit big plays, you think back outside of Carl Albert, there really hasn't been anybody since Canadian that's been able to sustain drives starting in their own end and end up in the end zone. Right. You know, there, there's been some big plays hit. There's been some turnover issues where the Elks have had a short field to defend and they haven't been able to keep the, the opponent out of the end zone. But as far as just a team getting the ball at their own 20 or 25 and being able to run to, to just matriculate down the field play after play uh, and, and put nine or ten plays together into the end zone, we haven't seen anybody really able to do that since Canadian. So that's another thing I think if the Elks defense limit big plays, make Weatherford have to do it play after play after play and ball at the front play after play after play. I think it just gets harder to do as you get close to the end zone. And within themselves, limit the mistakes. Uh, no we doubt. said it yesterday when they played quote-unquote perfect football for what quarter and a half, almost a full half of, of no turnovers, uh, limited penalties, special teams, no mistakes other than missed PATs, but no muff punch, stuff like that, fumbled returns. They were, they were all of a sudden, they were lighting up the scoreboard. Mm. And that's what's so exciting for me is because we have not seen them play a perfect game this season. And here we are week eight. But here they are with only one loss with a chance to win the district title. If they can limit mistakes, which is always hard to do on the road, I get it, especially in an environment like Weatherford. It's never easy to go to the to the to Eagle or Eagle Stadium and win. But uh, if they can limit mistakes, uh, that that's going to be uh, another key for me. And they started the game last week limiting those mistakes. Let's continue that this week. Be perfect. And then let's see what happens. If they can do that, and then coupled with my keys about the line play, I think they're going to have a really good night. Uh, question on the text line about the district standing so far. So here's how it shakes out in 4A1 at the moment. Oak City's 3-0. They have played one less game than the two teams tied for, uh, tied for second. And really one less game than everybody because they had the, they had the week off first, right? So they're always going to be behind until week 10 happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Elk City's 3-0, the only undefeated team left in 4A1. Weatherford and Chickasha are both tied at 3-1 within the district. Chickasha has a win over Weatherford if that becomes a, a two-team tiebreaker as the Chicks beat the Eagles 42-28 uh, earlier in this. Then there's three big tie for the last spot, which will be fourth place, with Clinton, Cash, and John Marshall all 1-2. When you look ahead to tomorrow night, Clinton goes to Chickasha, and then John Marshall is at cash. So that will kind of start to weed itself out. And then Woodward uh, is uh, in last place right now at 0-4. So when you look ahead, you know, obviously this game means a lot to the top. But the games tomorrow, you know, either cash or John Marshall is going to put a loss on the other that separates them toward fourth place. And then obviously Clinton, uh, if they were able to, to knock off Chickasha, now all of a sudden that gives them kind of another leg up with, with a win over, team, over a team that beat the other two already, or, or I guess maybe Chickasha and Cash uh, still have to play. But that would be a huge win for the Red Tornadoes. And then you start looking ahead. Whatever happens tomorrow night, Chickasha uh, in Clinton, next week may be the decider well, that fourth as far point. as who's going to be the fourth-place team with Clinton hosting Cash. Right. 
next week. Uh, even if the Red Tornadoes aren't able to, to get the win this week against Chickasha, they still, it's kind of a little bit of a mulligan in their pocket knowing that, Ch that Cash comes to Clinton next week and they can kind of right those wrongs with a win over the Bulldogs. Right. Yeah, I'm sure they'd like to make it easier and just oh, land on the road. They're on a little bit of on a slide right now, and they like to get off of it. Let's see, Class A still kind of waiting on next week, at least at the top of the district uh, with Fairview and Burns Flat Dill City. That's going to be a district title game, no matter what happens this week to either one of those. Uh -huh. Same situation. You have the chance, and it's it, it's not going to be a two-way or a three-way tie. It's just going to be those two at the top. So really – Next week is going to tell the tale in Class A District 1 no matter what happens this week. But Burnslat at home against Hooker. You've got Fairview uh, at Texoma. Uh, Texoma, Moreland, Hooker all at 2-2. Two and two. So you've kind of got three teams for two spots there. If Merritt can continue to win or Thomas can continue to win, maybe they insert themselves. They can get and that make, conversation. Yeah, and yeah. make that four teams for two spots. But right now, those three at two and two, and then Merritt and Thomas at one and three. Sayers the only uh, team without a win there. So that's why that game, Merritt and Thomas, is big. They're still alive. There's still a chance for them here. So they, they'd have to take care of a, a Thomas team. We talk about tradition. Yeah, I know they were, they're down, but you better be ready for them. Yeah, one of those two teams tomorrow night, Merritt or Thomas, is going to have the is going to have a chance at least with an upset coming up in the last couple of weeks to to insert themselves into a tie, and then we'll see what happens either with head-to-head -head results or with the district points, however that may shake out. And then in Class B tomorrow night, we'll have Hollis taking on uh, Balco Forgan. That'll be a road game for the Tigers all the way up into the panhandle uh, of Oklahoma. So it's Hollis and Balco Forgan. Two 2-0 two teams in the district. Turpin and Laverne, a 1-1 one one with Balco Forgan. Hollis, 0-1, oh could say just kind of behind with the Beaver, the Beaver game. And Shattuck, a shocker uh, for what's happened uh, in the in the recent history, at least, Shattuck alone at 0 and 2 at the bottom of that district. But when's the last time they lost two in a row? I have no idea. Uh, it's I'm going I'm to say a long time ago. It's been a while. And when you look at the, you look at the Oklahomans rankings, you looked at the statewide polls. All five of these teams in Class B's District One, if the poll extends out to 10, all five of them are there, in various orders depending on the poll. What that means is one of these teams is going to be a top 10 team and miss the playoffs because only four go out of the district. That's just an, it's an amazing uh, thing that's going up, it's going on up there with Class B District 1. But we'll have Hollis and Balco Forgan tomorrow night, Paragon TV, Merritt and Thomas tomorrow night, Paragon TV, and tonight the Big Elks versus the Weatherford Eagles. Big Elk TV, Cool 94, 6.30 for the pregame, 7 o'clock for the kick. That'll wrap it up for the high school football. Listen, Jared, did you see, do you see it? Dylan's kitchen sink Did is on the table. It's over this way. When you get a picture of that, there's going to be some listeners want to see it. Bacon. Get it before it's, it's deep. It's biscuits and sausage gravy topped with eggs and hash browns. And you know those square, those square plates? Yeah. It takes up the entire square plate <laughs> as they dig into it. There it is. I've been wanting to see that for three weeks, and there it is. Dylan's <laughs> kitchen sink is on the table. Uh, here at Poppy's Pit and Grill. We're at Poppy's ding, hanging ding, out. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're hanging out at Poppy's today. Uh, Highway 6 and Highway 152, the junction down there south of Elk City. Poppy's Pit and Grill down here. Highway 6, Highway 152 junction. Albert Carnes in the house. He, You know what? He, he offered me his fork to be able to <laughs> sneak in there and get some of that Dylan's kitchen sink. If the old boy who's looking the other way, I can sneak in there and get it. <laughs> Good to see Alberto in the house. 
These guys are open uh, 6 to 2 Monday through uh, Wednesday. So lunch and breakfast Monday through Wednesday. On Thursday, three courses, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, 6 o'clock to 8 p.m. Thursday through Saturday, and then lunch on Sunday. So you can come out after church, get you some beautiful lunch. I know we talked about the Poppy's Pig sandwich last week. Just to refresh your memory, Jared, sliced brisket, pulled pork, sausage, and two pieces of bacon on that dude, mm. plus a side. Um, on Thursdays, pork chops, pulled pork tacos are the special, normally on a Thursday out here at Poppy's Pit and Grill. Good stuff. Very good, stuff. good stuff. I can't wait. I mean, I shouldn't have to wait. I just come out here, but when they catered our golf tournament oh the, gosh, the night those before, ribs, those, ribs. those ribs were just falling off Hello. the bone. I couldn't get enough. Hello. Poppy's Pit and Grill. Right here, south of Elk City, Highway 152 and Highway 6 Junction. Oh, look here, going. We've got, an, we've got a uh, request for Scott Garrison's walk-up song. Back in the saddle again. Back in the saddle. I oh. can see that working. A little Aerosmith? I can see that working for, for Scotty. Okay. With we'll his, work it in. With his uh, energy <laughs> that he brings to the we show. Don't, we don't like the, the Pink Floyd money? I like money, yeah. <laughs> it just for, for what he's doing makes a lot of sense. Sometimes I want to play uh, what's the song that – Oh, Dave Ramsey used to play. I don't think he plays it anymore. That's what he plays. Money. No, no, no. Different one. You know what I'm talking about. I'm going to look it up. It's going to drive me crazy. So when I hear it come on now, it's money. I'm, that's not it. It's a different one. It, it's. A, I think that's what he used as return music for yeah, maybe return. in the middle of his show. Yeah, the, yep, yep, yep. I'm going to look it up. The intro. Gosh. When you say it, it's going to frustrate me. Yep. All right, we're going to talk some under yourself. <laughs> i got to find this. We're going to switch it over crazy. to uh, college football. There are nine remaining unbeatens in college football, halfway through the season, basically. Three of those are from the Southeastern Conference. You've got two from the ACC, which is five. You've got two from the Big Ten, which is seven. Then you've got a Big 12 school and a Pac-12 school, all undefeated going into this week. Now... At some point, since there's multiple teams in the conferences and the way the schedules work out, we're going to see at least three of these take a loss because they're going to play each other. Right. Starts this week with Clemson and Syracuse. Eventually, Michigan and Ohio State play. And, of course, Georgia and Tennessee, they play the first week of November. Uh, November 5th, I believe, is the date for that one. So we know for sure that only six of these teams have a chance at being unbeaten at the end of the season. I ask you, Jared, from nine to one, nine being least likely, one being the most likely, okay. how would you rank these teams' chances at ending the season unbeaten going into right. the college football playoff? Okay. Well, obviously you look into who they are and who they play and what, <clears throat> what conference and all of that. So I'll go nine to one without looking at any other kind of poll or anything, mm -hmm. just just from me. So yell at me if uh, you don't agree. Syracuse at nine. I just don't see it. I think it stops this weekend with right. Clemson. UCLA at eight. Uh, it's a nice story. It's awesome. Eugene's going to be tough. They still have USC, which is going to be tough. Um, so I see that uh, them at eight. And this is where it gets kind of muddy already. Um, number seven, Ole Miss. Because of the remaining schedule with them, I'm going off the top of my head. 
They go to LSU. Fortunately for them, it's not a night game. They go to LSU this week. They turn around the next week and play. You're going to tell at me. At A&M. At A&M. Never easy. And then Alabama comes to town. Arkansas. I know they've been kind of up and down, but it's still Arkansas. I, I, they're still an okay team. And then ending the, the year with the Egg Bowl in Mississippi State, which looks pretty solid. They're ranked too. So that's going to be a tough task to uh, to uh, maneuver to get undefeated in that one. Um, TCU at six. They still got to play Texas. Uh, they still have they're playing Kansas State this week. Uh, they got that rivalry game with Baylor, and again, Baylor's kind of the same situation as Arkansas, right? I mean, they're high expectations, haven't met them, but still a, a, a formidable opponent. Um, follow that with Tennessee. It's a great story. They got the big game out, of, or one of the biggest games out of the way out of uh, Alabama. And let's face it, it took a missed field goal and a, then a turnaround, a dead duck field goal to go through the uprights for them to, up to upset Alabama. They got to go to Georgia. That's going to be incredibly tough for them. Uh, then I put Michigan at the the fourth likely team to uh, go undefeated. Um, Michigan because um, they still have Ohio State on their schedule. And then there's Clemson, and the reason I put Clemson at number three is because they are, are in the uh, ACC. Yeah. It's it's not a tough uh, conference again, and they seem to be getting better. No one's really talking about DJ. He's playing a little better ball. And uh, Georgia at two. It's still the SEC. I still give – I put them at two because I still give Tennessee a lot of credit. And then Ohio State at one. I think their toughest game left is Michigan. Yeah, and then that game will be at home. And it will be at home. They do go to Penn State in two weeks. Which I've never been the, sold on them, <clears throat> which to be, be quite the tough, honest. Well, it would be the toughest game they've got. At, at Maryland, a potential eh. stumbling block. That Michigan game obviously jumps off the page at you at home. Uh, I'm going to go with Ole Miss 9 just because of the schedule. I think Ole Miss is better than Syracuse, but I think that their schedule is, is so difficult with those Yeah, what road. if Syracuse pulls a Tennessee that's, and wins? That's where I'm headed. they yeah. got one more tough one, uh, but – I'll go with Ole Miss uh, at number nine just because you're talking about road games at LSU, at A&M, at Arkansas, and then what do you have at home? Oh, just Bama and the Egg Bowl. So, that I mean, that's a, an incredibly tough schedule for the Rebels, even though I think they're better than maybe a couple of the teams that I'm going to have in front of them on this list. I've got Ole Miss as the, as the hardest uh, to go undefeated remaining. At number uh, eight, I'm going to go with Syracuse. You mentioned if they can, they, they do go to Death Valley to, th- this week. But if you can find a way to upset Clemson, now you're looking ahead at Notre Dame, a team that hasn't been as good as people thought. You got that one at home. The one that's kind of lingering out there is at uh, Sam Hartman and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons right in the middle of November. So I don't know if they'll be able to, I don't think they're going to be able to win both of those road games, but their schedule is a lot less. Uh, heavy than what you've got with, uh, with with Ole Miss. Right at number seven, I'm going to go with Tennessee. Schedule again, it, it just it, and I guess are are you thinking regular season? Or are you going clear through the conference title games? Um, I was going through. I was, it's a great question. I was I was actually looking at regular season. Okay, that's kind of where I was at. Yeah, because when I was doing this, I was looking at their what's remaining on their schedule. I wasn't thinking about conference title games. Tennessee hosts Kentucky, goes to Georgia, and then there's still, you know, there's a, at South Carolina, even if you were able to beat Georgia, gosh, that seems like a, a, a is one that could creep up and, and just bite you uh, there. So I've got, I've got I have Tennessee 7, TCU number 6. I think the Horned Frogs, uh, obviously, they, they've, they've gotten a break with the schedule. 
so far, when you've looked at it preseason, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, all at home. So they've been able to do that. K-State this week. Now they still go to Texas. They have the game with Baylor. And just the Big 12 as a whole, has we've seen some surprising results because there's a bunch of good teams. There may not be a great one either. And so that's why I would go with TCU. As well, was that number six? Yep. Number five, I would put Michigan because of that game at Ohio State. Uh, that's just that's going to be as hard a game as anybody else has left on their schedule. And so, you know, before that at Rutgers, at Rutgers watch out, Illinois. Illinois is better than anybody even realizes. I'd go Michigan five. Uh, that means who is left? I can't remember how the, what the order I had. Uh, I've got Georgia left. You got, stopped at four or five, uh, so you got top four left. Got Georgia left. You have Georgia. Oh, left UCLA. Or... I'm gonna. Uh, oh, really? Whoa, whoa, no, no, I wanted UCLA before uh, Michigan. Sorry. So UCLA five. Five. Got you. Michigan four. UCLA a tough one at, at Oregon, but if you can win that one, and I think UCLA is better than Syracuse. If you win that, you've got USC at home, Arizona State, Stanford. <laughs> you know that this, this one here. If you get past Eugene. Things open up, and you can kind of start to see light at the end of the undefeated tunnel uh, for the Bruins. Michigan four. Number three, I am going to have Georgia. Tennessee, I think, is better than the teams that they're going to that, that the other that the other two undefeateds are going to play. You've got the cocktail party. You go to Mississippi State. You go to Kentucky back to back. With all of a sudden that Tennessee game first, that's a tough three game stretch. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to put Georgia three. I'm going to put Ohio State two because Michigan is better than anybody that Clemson plays. And number one, I think it's Clemson because I think the ACC, they have gotten through kind of the gauntlet of what you thought they might have to get through. That's true. And they struggled a little bit early. But you said it. DJ has played a lot better. Don't let that 34-28 score for Florida State kid you. They, they controlled that game until the very end. Yeah. Syracuse is at home. They go to a struggling Notre Dame. Then they've all. Then they finished with three straight home games: Louisville, Miami, South Carolina. None of those scare you to death uh, on the schedule. So I think Clemson has the best chance to get to the ACC title game unbeaten. As Trail Windsor has made his way down to Poppy's Pit and Grill, Trail and Tyler hanging out to our right. Uh, he's he's. It looks like he's intrigued to find out what's going on over here on this table. We'll just bring him over here. We'll get him over here in the break and maybe get his. You want to talk on the radio? Oh, no, no, he said, no, no. <laughs> Do you want the kitchen sink? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, can, I can tell you what, uh, what you need to get. Dylan's kitchen sink is what you're looking for, buddy. I can promise you. <laughs> Trail hanging out with us here at Poppy's Pit and Grill. All right, the, you meant, we mentioned some of the good games this week. We might see a few of these teams. We know we're going to see one fall off of this list with Clemson uh, going up against Syracuse as right. undefeated teams. Outside of that one, which team in your mind has the biggest or has the best chance of falling by the wayside here uh, this week in the games and, and being out of the realm, being out of the list of the unde- uh, of the unbeatens outside of obviously Syracuse or Clemson because right. one of those is going to have to lose. Well, UCLA, Oregon, uh, UCLA at Oregon. That's where game day is going. Eugene is never easy to go to. And, you know, I'm not based on my list here. I put them at the eighth best team to right. go undefeated. I'm not sold on them. So that's my answer. I'll say uh, the Bruins. I think that we're going to, I don't think it's going to be one of those Oregon, you know, of recent history. I'd have to look up the recent history, but mm-hmm. Oregon blowing out UCLA games. I think um, 
I think it'll be a good game, but I think Oregon will ultimately come out on top. Although it would be fun to see Chip Kelly go up there and win in his old stomping grounds. Yes, it would, and then that sets up. Here you go. Uh, Oregon's won three straight. Okay. You, you know about this one? Winsipedia. This is a pretty sweet website, by the way. No, I like it. Yeah. I, well, I think I've seen it. I haven't explored it very much. Oregon's won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine of ten over UCLA dating back to 2008. Yeah, see. So a lot of – I mean, uh, that's a, you know, we see those trends, and but what that tells me is maybe UCLA is ready to buck that trend. But, man, it's going to be hard to see that at Eugene. You know, Oregon's kind of another one of those teams that no one's talking about, right? Yeah, but 49-3 first week against Georgia, and then they come back. They've got a couple of decent wins. Yeah. BYU kind of the notable one, I guess, so far. Yep. It's This is – I think I'm going to go with TCU. Okay. I didn't go there because it's at TCU. It's at TCU, but coming off that, coming off that struggle against Oklahoma State, K-State is, even though they're 5-1, and one, even though they're number 17 in the country – doesn't it feel like they're always the team that's slept on? Yeah. Just kind of, okay, yep. it's K-State. And, and when we saw last week TCU make a couple of mistakes here and there, K-State, man, you, you they won't beat themselves. You have to beat them. And so uh, I'm going to go with Kansas State uh, beating TCU as maybe the most plausible one, even though I didn't have that ranking like that. I, you know, I, I just think that – it's just one of those games. Playing t- playing Kansas State is just no fun. You know, it's just not any no. fun to play them. No, it's not. And so I'm going to say that TCU has the best chance of getting knocked off this. And I mentioned Ole Miss. Yeah, at, Ole Miss at, at, LSU. at LSU. If that was a night game, I'd definitely put that in my number one. But it's a 2.30 afternoon game. Yeah, uh, but L- the Tigers, too, I mean, that they've kind of quietly. Five and two. I would have yeah. thought they were way closer to 500 than that. Yeah, five and two. Uh, here for LSU going into this week against Ole Miss. Remind this, us who's coming tomorrow. Is he going to be Scotty Garrison, yes. He's supposed to be in studio. Garrison Financial Friday with Scott. He'll come in and tell us what he's been doing. As uh, He's been out a couple of weeks here lately, but uh, Scott will be there. We're at Poppy's Pit and Grill. Highway 6, Highway 152 Junction, just south of Elk City. Trell Windsor's in the house. Trell wants to tell Grana and Gigi... Good morning. Hello. We were trying to get him to do it himself, but he is just, uh, he wasn't having it, man. Maybe, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I see, you, you can see it. It's like he, he's, he's got the two, the two angels on his shoulders, and he's, he's resisting the urge. He, he wants to. I can tell that he wants to do it, but there's just won't quite talk himself all the way into coming over here and getting on the microphone himself. <laughs> We'll see if by the end of the show he works up the courage to come and tell them hi himself. But if he doesn't, hello, Gigi and Grana from uh, Trail Windsor down here at Poppy's. All right, Jared, NFL. Let's start with this. And, you know, this is going to make, or at least who I think is the possibility to answer this question, it's going to make me sound a lot smarter than I am, but I had no idea this was happening. But the question on the table is this. What team that currently has a losing record do you think can end up riding the ship and making the playoffs? I think that team is Arizona because they're getting healthier. They got Hopkins back. We'll see that tonight. Well, we won't. We'll see it later. But I wonder if that's going to help out uh, Kyler Murray and, and, and company. 
in Arizona. I think there's still a chance for them to um, to bounce back from the way they've started. So I'll put Arizona on that one. How about you? I know that there – I was just looking that up because when you mentioned that, that Hopkins was coming back, there is – And just in time, too, because Hollywood Brown went down. Okay, so in 26 games with each other, in 26 games, DeAndre Hopkins has 157 catches, 1,979 yards, and 14 touchdowns. So he scores a touchdown in half of the games that he's played with Kyler Murray. I wish it showed the team's record in those games on this that I looked up. I know it's, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic record uh, with uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray being in the lineup together. That hasn't happened yet. So we'll see uh, what what happens uh, tonight. Yep. I actually I think it might be the Saints, and it's it's interesting that they play together or play play each, play each other. other tonight. Yeah. Uh, and I, when I asked when I thought of this question, I didn't even put that together until I started looking through the records of these teams. So I'm rooting for Arizona tonight. You're rooting for <laughs> yeah, New Orleans. I guess that, I guess that might <laughs> be so. Here, but but here's the thing that I would say in favor of the the uh, New Orleans Saints. Their schedule is so much easier. Okay. As far as the division that they're playing in. Okay, the Saints, the Buccaneers have struggled. It's, it's hard to tell if Tom Brady really cares to be there this season. You know, there's a lot of things swirling around him in, in his life and on the football field and off of it. The Panthers are terrible. The Falcons, shockingly enough, are 3-3, three and three, but are we sure that they're going to remain in that race? So you get Jameis back in there, and, and all of a sudden the Saints, to me, just because of division. Instead of, you know, Arizona, luckily enough, at 2-4, and four, they're only a game back of everybody. Right. The Rams, the 49ers, and the Seahawks, who wanted to be 0-6, and, and they're 3-3 three and because three Geno Smith has been fantastic out of nowhere. But that's why I would lean Saints, just because of the division they're playing in. You know, they, before the loss at home to the Buccaneers in, like, week two, they had had Tom Brady's number seven in a row uh, overall, all four of them since he's been uh, in Tampa Bay. So that's where I would go with, with the Saints. It, it's interesting, though, because I, I, I can't see many, I mean, possibly the Jags in the in the AFC because of the South. They're just a game back at two and four. Don't trust Tennessee or Indy all that much. But other than other than the Jags, I mean, can you see the, the Browns or Steelers really making a, 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 really having a chance to make the playoffs in that AFC North? I can't. Denver's look awful in the West and being in that tough division. So I think you got to look at the NFC. And quite frankly, I think you got to look at the two teams that we picked. <laughs> you picked Arizona and I picked New Orleans. I, to me, that's your only real options that are out there without somebody playing above what we've seen from them so far this season. Yeah, I totally agree. And I can, I can see that about the Saints too. But in, in division, I think played a factor in that too. You know, the Rams aren't playing their best football. 49ers are playing, I guess we're calling it a backup quarterback um, with Jimmy G. And then Seattle is, is right there at 500. So I can see with Arizona, with getting Hopkins back, if they can kind of settle down and, um, you know, take care of business, I think they could be okay. Jets, Giants, or both? But I will I say had... for them to actually get into the playoffs, they might actually have to come back and win the West. That's, that's a tough ask. Yeah, I don't with, know about wild card. Man, with the way that the East has started, Six and zero, oh, five and one, four and two. I mean, outside of the NFC North, with with um, 
Minnesota. The NFC East has the three best records in the in the, in right. the entire conference. Right. You know, and at some point they're going to start playing each other and handed each other some losses here and there. Uh, but you know, that's uh, at least in the first third of the season, the East has really kind of put itself out there to be in a great position to earn two wild cards if if they could continue to win the games against the the other teams. You know, Dallas. When you look at them, they've got that early season loss to Tampa. Then they then they lost uh, to Philly on Sunday night. New New York's only loss is to Dallas, and then Washington has gotten beat by all three. Right, so yep. the 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 division, and they've only got beaten by two. They haven't played the Giants yet, but the, so that means the division. They've got Dallas has lost to, to Tampa, and then two Commanders losses. So three of those losses in the division are are, are only three of them are outside of division games. Which is which means they're beating up on everybody. It's not just like themselves. They're, everyone's winning all the games against everybody else. They've lost seven games in the division, and four of those have come inside to each other. So outside of that, man, they've been really, really good against everybody else. What do you got? Jets, Giants, or both making the playoffs? That's such a loaded question. <laughs> I, um, or neither, I guess. We could go neither. It's hard to imagine five and one not making it, but it's possible. Give me the Giants if I have to pick one. Can I say neither? You, you can say neither. neither. Yeah, I didn't put neither. I'm gonna go with. I, I, then I go with neither. I, I because the Giants have squeaked by in some recent wins. Looking at their recent wins as I'm waiting for the iPad to catch up, but uh, they they've squeaked by 24-20 over Baltimore, 27-22 over Green Bay, 20-12 over Chicago. Every game they played has been a one-score game. Look at that. Yeah. A field goal win over Carolina, a one-point win over Tennessee. When they went for two at the end, right? Yeah. So there, there they are at five and one, but it's kind of fool's gold five and one. And then there's the Jets. It's kind of like how I feel about UCLA, right? I, I don't trust them. I'm not there yet. I'm not buying into it. And I, you know, obviously they're in the East with Buffalo. I still think the Dolphins are better than the Jets. So. I'm going to go with neither. But if you put a gun on my head, I'd, I'd go just the Giants, though, not just one. I'd just say the Giants with the best chance anyways. Real quick on the Jets, think about this. I wonder if this has ever happened. We'll have to do some research for tomorrow's show. Has one team ever drafted the defensive and offensive rookie of the year? Because right year? In the same year. Mm, I don't, that's a great question. Because right now the Jets have done it. Brees Hall is the runaway offensive player of the year so far, and he was their second-round pick. They have a they have a guy in Garrett Wilson that's shown to be a pretty good receiver so far early on, and then Sauce Gardner defensively has been awesome. So yeah. the, the, the Jets, what a draft! And then here's something that's scary: if you're an NFC East team, Philly six and zero, and right now, if if I'm wrong and New Orleans isn't the team that kind of rebounds to to have a good year. Philly owns that pick right now. It'd be number five overall. So you're putting the number five pick in the draft already. You know, looking like a, a real contender to win the NFC this year. Look out! Good grief! <laughs> Philadelphia has set themselves up really, really well. Uh, baseball playoffs, real quick. Padres were almost left for dead on the side of the road, headed out to had headed back to Philly as um, Philadelphia won game a uh, game one two to nothing. 
tied a major league record with uh, combined only four hits between the two teams, but two of the Phillies' three hits went out of the park. Excuse me, with Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber. So they win game one, and then yesterday afternoon in game two, they go up five, or excuse me, four nothing in the second inning. Uh, but then San Diego exploded for eight runs. They end up winning 8-5. So the NLCS is 1-1, headed back to Philly. The ALCS uh, was uh, game one last night. Justin Verlander, listen, here's the deal. The few innings I watch, Justin Verlander is awesome. He doesn't need to get, you know, an, an inch and a half off the outside corner or up and in. He was getting that last night, and that dude was awesome. And uh, the, the Houston Astros win 4-2 to in game one over the New York Yankees. So you've got uh, Houston 1-0 in the ALCS. I assume game two is tonight without looking uh, yeah, they're the down there in Houston. AL. And then the, yeah. NL, the, or the uh, NLCS goes back uh, for Friday night with that thing tied between the Phillies and the Padres. But Yeah. yeah. Um, God, just I never thought I'd say this, but go Yankees. <laughs> I can't stand them. Oh, um, I knew the saltiness. Happy, I knew the saltiness would come. I'm back. doing my best. I've done really good so far. Um, happy Sports Equinox Day! Tell everybody what that is. That is a day today where all the sports align and happen at the same time on the same day. Well, not the same time, but on the same day. You got, of course, you got NFL tonight. You mentioned uh, Yankees and Astros playing tonight. Uh, NBA games happening. I think only just two. Uh, on TNT, NF, NHL games, I think there's 12 of those games. We got college football tonight. We have, if anybody cares, Major League Soccer playoffs tonight. Maybe Scotty does. And high school football tonight to boot. So, happy Sports Equinox Day. Not every. This is a, one of the rare occasions where all those are happening in one day. What a great day to be a sports fan. Last night, Paolo Banchero. Bancaro, Antonio Bancaro. I don't his, know. He had a. Uh, he had a debut, a debut that rivals that of LeBron James, twenty-five, five and five. Or those are the benchmarks. He was awesome. And the Thunder, close but no cigar, and a one fifteen, one hundred eight. That might be. I was telling you earlier that might be uh, a kind of a. Oh, pre-season. Jackson Arnold on ESPN two tonight as well. If you're looking for the future of uh, Sooner football, nice in the high school ranks, Denton Geyer. Oh, that's a huge game. Yeah. Who are they playing? I don't know. Oh, I've, man. I've, it's, uh, I've seen that, though. I knew they were going to be on ESPN, too. Yeah, Allen. That's exactly yeah. right. Because it's Jackson Arnold, Denton Geyer, 2023 five-star commit to OU at the quarterback spot against uh, Michael Hawkins, who is one of the, the 2024 quarterback recruits that's ranked way high up there as well. So you'll, you'll see a, a pretty good high school quarterback duo going there on ESPN, too. You'll also see... What the brown and white folks uh, that'll be clad in green tonight. Don't forget, wear your green right. going over to Weatherford. But the Big Elks, the Weatherford Eagles, 7 o'clock is the kick. 6.30 is the pregame. Big Elk TV, cool 94 there for the Elks and the Eagles. Uh, to the top spot in Class 4A District 1 will be on the line over at Woody Roof Field this evening. That'll do it from Poppy's Pit and Grill down here south of Elk City at the Highway 152, Highway 6 Junction. Uh, thanks to everybody here at Poppy's. Thanks to Trail Windsor for showing up and hanging out with us. Looks like he's enjoying some uh, pancakes mm. and bacon over there. Tyler may have jumped into Dylan's kitchen sink uh, from what it looks like. And everybody here has been, uh, been great to us. Have a great day. Big Oak football tonight at 7. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. 
Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way.